You're listening to BGO Blind Pig, BGO's official roundtable discussion of all things D.C. football. Come pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join in some passionate D.C. football debate. BGO, a burgundy and gold obsession, is the most passionate, intelligent community of Washington football fans on the web since 2009. Join us at www.bgobsession.com. What, what say we? This meeting is being recorded. Sounds good to me. Uh, what's up, gentlemen? Good to see you guys again for another episode of The Blind Pig, courtesy of bgobsession.com. Please feel free to come by, mix it up, have some fun, jump in the conversation, maybe find yourself on a podcast getting made fun of. Uh, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. Real quick, we'll run by the uh, intros. Top left is Mark. He hails as Ohm on the board. Bottom left is Bob. He can find him as Neil Fight. Bottom right is John. He hails as Boone. And my name is Derek. You can find me at Silent Threat. Like I said, jump on if you're listening, if you're watching, if you found your way here and you're not a part of the board, I'd be shocked, but I'd appreciate it. Anyways, uh, happy to have you guys, but um, some small things went out today. Uh, we haven't been together in a couple of weeks. There's a little bit of change in a couple of different small areas um, that I figure we can jump into real quick. I'll throw out there, I guess I'll tee it up with what I heard from Fox News or Fox Business today stating Somebody with knowledge of the situation who is connected to Snyder's people as well as people within the NFL are reporting, not believing, are reporting that the sale will happen post-Super Bowl pre-March meetings, which is not really breaking any news. We kind of all had a feeling, but I think this is the first time it's been put on paper that that's actually what's going to happen, or at least that that's what people are talking about. Inner circle, um, I, I'm, I guess it's not going to br- really spark a conversation with you guys, but uh, does it make you feel better now that somebody's actually reporting this? I know there's been a lot of concern that maybe he could always say, you know what, I changed my mind. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel worse, right? Anything <laughs> that isn't, anything that isn't, Dan Snyder spoke today about you know, potentially changing his plans and yada, yada, yada. I live in fear every day of hearing that. So anything that sounds like the sale is still moving forward concretely is is music to my ears. Yeah, I had, I had um, you know, we have a contest going on on BGO as to when the day will be <laughs> when Lord Farquaad is banished forever. Um, and I had predicted Valentine's Day just for sentimental reasons, because that would be the best love letter. Dan Snyder could ever send to the fan base ever. Um, but that's probably not going to happen. That's probably a little bit too uh, optimistic. But I did want to mention one thing I thought was that I don't think, I just can't imagine this is accurate, but part of that same kind of, um, I don't know if it's a story or the rumblings that we're hearing is that, um, you know, Bezos um, is still waiting to make a bid. And to me, if, if he's going to make a bid, it's already happened. And I can't imagine like, you're not going to have somebody like come in at the last minute and make a bid and have that finalized in the next week or two weeks. I can imagine. So I tend to think, I tend to think that part of it is wrong in that if it is impending in the next 30 days or so, it's already mostly a done deal and they're just hashing out, you know, details. That's just my opinion. I don't have any, anything to base that on, but that part of it just seemed a little bit like, uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound like the way businesses operate. Like Bezos is going to wait till the night before 
you know, they sign the contract and then come in with, you know, twice the offer and sweep Dan Snyder off his feet. I kind of feel like if he's still a player in it, it's already in motion. Um, but again, that's just, that's just me guessing. Well, not, not just you. I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this since the news first broke that he might sell that phone calls were happening that night. There's most of the real heavy lifting is going on behind the scenes on this thing. Um, and we won't know until it's a done deal. And I, I think as Bob's talked about too, there's several layers to this, right? It's not just the team. It's all his ancillary interests as well. The property they just bought down here in Prince William County. I mean, it, it's a complicated deal. So you're, yeah, John, you're hundred percent right. It's not happening on the eve of the meetings. If Bezos is serious, then he's done the legwork already. Yeah, he, he's not going to come out of nowhere. But at the same token, I mean, reports reports over the Broncos sale last year are that the Walton Penner group waited fairly late in the process to get involved because he didn't, you know, Walton didn't want to bid against himself. Um, and, and he wanted to see where the bar was. And, and rather than just come in and make an offer and be ridiculously high because he had the money to do it, why? And and I can totally see Bezos doing the same thing. Um, now, What's our time how late frame? In the process you can wait. I don't know. What's our time frame here? One of the meetings that we're talking about. What's the date in March? The March meetings are late. They're like the the twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth, twenty ninth, thirtieth through thirty one. So something we've like that. got six or seven weeks left still. Yeah, it is the very end. It is the very end of of March. Because March 27th uh, to the, oh, wait, never mind. I lied. Sorry. That's last year's. Bob, do you know how like late Walton waited in the process? I, I do not. I don't know. I don't know when he got involved specifically. I just know that he wasn't involved in the first round of bidding. Um, now, whether that, whether there were two rounds, three rounds, whatever it was, I, that I don't know. You know, it's, it's really funny. I mean, even after the fact, they don't, I haven't found a lot of information after the fact to be able to try and reconstruct what was going on when it's all still something of a black box to me. I'm sure there are people that know, and maybe there are even people in the media that know, but I'm, I'm guessing it's, it's a relatively small number of people that actually have insight into the whole inner workings of the thing. And, and I guess my point is, or my point is it is, late in the process it's i mean we're like two months after the last time the media had a nugget which was the date for final bids is friday well that was like two months ago so i mean and i know that i mean that's just a date and it doesn't necessarily and and it could be wrong i mean the media sometimes has you know spreads misinformation but i just Mm -hmm. feel like if it's going to happen before the next team meeting it's late (laughs) i mean we're we're coming down to crunch time so the yeah, league meeting, the, the owners' weeks? meetings are the 26th to the 29th of March. Yeah. What do we have? So what do we have? Seven weeks? About seven weeks. Yeah. That's... I mean, in this, I mean, who knows, right? In this level of conversation, how much needs to be done. If they, if Bezos or it doesn't matter, we just keep talking about Bezos. But if any of the potential serious ownership groups are serious about this, they've spent the last, what is it, three months? putting this all together and doing the legwork and doing the research. So they're the fact that, that a particular owner, potential owner hasn't made a, an actual bid yet. Doesn't say that much to me. It just means that they're keeping their powder dry until they decide the moment's right to swoop in. Yeah. You know, I mean, the stuff, 
here's the thing. The ink doesn't have to be dry for a bid to be accepted, right? And for an announcement to be made. All of the details don't have to be finalized. Yep. Um, you just you just have to have two people that have metaphorically shaken hands on things because if it is Bezos, I doubt very seriously he and Dan Snyder will ever even be in the same room, much less shake hands. I don't uh, think the league's going to approve anything based on like a handshake nod. And I mean, if the league's going to vote to approve a new owner, it's that's official at that point. I mean, sure, but, but think of it, think of it like a real estate transaction, John. I mean, you put in an offer, your offer's accepted. You put down a certain amount of money. Nothing is final. Everybody can still walk away at that point in time. Right. But you've got a, you've got a fairly solid offering and understanding between each other, pending things like property inspections and, and the rest of that kind of stuff. And the rest of the process takes another month. Federal investigations, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. <clears throat> you know, so I, I think it's entirely possible that we still have the, you know, the entirety of the seven plus weeks to the league meetings to have some type of a formal accepted offer in place that is far enough down the line for the league to go, all right, we're going to vote on this. Um, but, you know, does that have to be Bezos? No, it well, could be any I, number of I different I think the other factor is, I think that's pretty ob- – I'm just guessing that they, the NFL has said, we don't want to hear anything on this until after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That just seems like common sense. There's no – it just undermines everything the NFL is focused on right now. So it very well could be that it's a done – it's already done. And, it's soon, and a week from now, we're going to be potting about – who the new owner is. I really think it could be already done. When we were predicting when the announcement was come, I chose Friday night before the Super Bowl just for the news cycle because the whole world is going to be paying attention to NFL football. And that would be like the the time that a Snyder effort would be like to to come out and make the announcement. But I, I think, John, I think you're probably right. I think the NFL would probably blanch at that. Let's get the game over. And then next week when coaches are getting fired and all that shit, then. I think the NFL would be pissed off about it, but I can totally see Dan engineering a leak. (laughs) There won't be a formal press conference. We won't see that, but I could totally see Dan engineering a leak to Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Well, if that happens, I'm, I'm claiming it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, we we set the rules, right? John set the rules. It was it Adam Schefter's tweet. Yep. Oh, is that right? I, yep. I'm, I'm in the running. <laughs> yeah, closest to Adam Schefter's tweet. So, Adam, you're getting free press here, man. Check mm-hmm. better be in the mail. That's how this influencing thing works, right? <laughs> so the ownership thing is, a to me, it's a great segue, ding, into the, the regular offseason. If, if this wasn't an ownership offseason, we would be hip deep in, in – uh, pre-agency at this point, which to me is more imminent and important than, than the draft at this point. Cause well, I mean, I, we'll get to the draft part. I know because everyone's the draft is a big deal and, and the guys on the board are killing it with the draft stuff. I haven't gotten myself ready for the draft yet for a couple of reasons. One, cause I always calibrate my drafts against the backdrop of what we've done in free agency what holes that we've tried to fill in free agency. And, th- and, and this year we've also got, oh, by the way, 
new ownership, which may impact whether the head coach is going to be a lame duck, or if the new guy comes in and says, I'm giving Ron three more years, who the OC is going to be, all that stuff is up in the air. So this is going to be a crazy free agent and and draft season just because of all that other unrest. And I'm I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about all that. I well, don't know how they put a coherent strategy together for either, for free agents looking, or the draft right now. The other thing to think about, looking at this timeline, so just connecting dots here, Ron Rivera has come out and, and, and not unequivocally said, but made it very clear Sam Howell's probably the guy, um, which is okay. I'm happy with it because I don't want Ron Rivera or anybody in this current front office doing anything to affect the quarterback position long beyond when they're going to be here. So I'm good with that. But what it's also telling me is Dan Snyder's probably locked up the checkbook, right? Because any contract probably handed out now is the guaranteed money is going to be his responsibility. Uh, he's the one that's going to have to write that check to go into escrow. He's the one that's going to have to pay out those signing bonuses and those things. So you wonder the league year doesn't start or the league year starts on March 15th. That's when free agency actually begins. The owner's meeting for voting is the 26th to the 29th. So are you telling me we're going to miss the first two weeks of free agency because the new owner won't have the checkbook yet? <laughs> Maybe. You know what I mean? Well, it's very possible that the new owner's not going to want to say, yeah, go sign people because they aren't going to get voted yet. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I am 95% sure that there's no handshake rule accepted or handshake agreement in place that doesn't include the NFL, which is why I think Bezos is still in play because I think, I think the NFL could, could be the one that actually makes Bezos happen more than Snyder does because they want him in the circle. They want that money in the circle. So they might be the ones that say, yeah, well, we've, we've given everybody else their last shot, but, but, you know, let's just take this one last phone call. Um, so that doesn't mean that the new owner is going to be willing to spend the money in free agency. Uh, you know, Dan Snyder is probably not going to be willing to spend the money in free agency. So well, here, let me just let me throw this there. Maybe he is. Maybe he says, well, the part of the new part of the package and the price I'm going to accept in, includes the cost of this quarterback I just signed and guaranteed $40 million to. Good. Just throwing that out there. I mean, it's. But now you've got three, four people making decisions where before you had one. And you have factors like who's going to be willing to sign the check? And and and, and are they going to lock down the ability to write that check because of the fact that there's a new owner in place and they need to get their feet wet? You know what I mean? I just, yeah, this, this, is, this goes to my concern about the offseason. And I just, I don't know how they proceed in, in a rational business-like manner with a plan with all the things that are up in the air right now. I think I don't, they put together a plan. Go ahead, Bob. I was going to say, I think they put together a plan, Mark. The question is whether is where the money comes from and whether or not they can execute the plan. Well, and it, who's the offensive coordinator? What kind of offense are we running? Yeah, and, and that's going to play a big factor too. But I've said all along, I don't see us re-signing Deron Payne because I don't see the, I don't see Dan Snyder being willing to pony up the money to pay Deron Payne when he knows he's not going to own the team in another two weeks. Agreed. I you know, and, and I mean, so uh, ignore the fact that I, I don't see 
us paying that much to defensive tackles. I don't see us keeping our own guy just because of just because of the finances. I think they sit down and they put together a plan on the offensive side of the ball. That plan doesn't start until next week. And I expect us to have an offensive coordinator named and in place by Wednesday. That would be a nice first domino. You know, I, I feel like Ron's Ron wants to talk to the enemy. The question is whether or not Ron thinks he wants the enemy or whether he's, he's doing this for other reasons. And he already has his guy, his uh, another guy in mind. And then the question is whether or not the enemy wants us. So before we get into the OCs, which is where we're going next, obviously, I just want to mention one thing about Rivera's comments today, where he basically, you know, said, yeah, the presumed starter in 2023 is, um, is going to be Sam Howell. First of all, Ron Rivera is not exactly like for the Fort Knox of opinion uh, when it comes to NFL coaches. He has he does a lot of talking and then does a lot of walking back what he talked about because either what he said wasn't what he meant or it was misconstrued or maybe he said it and he didn't want to admit that that's what he really thinks. He does a lot of that. So, you know, I, I take what he said about how with a grain of salt and he, and he, he did kind of waffle a little bit on it. Um, but I also think one thing that we've seen with Ron Rivera is I don't know whether he's on social media, but he clearly cares what fans think, which honestly, I would prefer a coach that probably didn't care what fans think, even though I am one. Um, he cares and he all I've seen on social media for the last two months is, for God's sake, don't go spend a bunch of money locking up, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr or some other, you know, quarterback who's no longer wanted by the team <laughs> that previously had rights to him. And he, I have no doubt in my mind that Ron Rivera has seen that repeatedly over and over, almost, almost as a universal sentiment. There's some exceptions out there, but I think the general consensus is fans want to ride with the rookie and take their lumps and see what we have and not, not spend a lot of capital, especially if we have to trade for somebody on, on another veteran you know a savior didn't he then kind of waffle a little bit though right he said first yeah that as he said a couple of weeks ago i think sam as of right now is the presumed starter going in but then he kind of said you know unless somebody else comes in later he doubled down on it today though he came out today and said you know that's I, the point yeah I, I read that little blurb but then i thought in the same comments he went on to make to talk about potential free agent or whatever yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like an emphatic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't get a, the sense that anything really changed with what he said today. I agree. You know what I what I read into today's comments is we're not a player in the Derek Carr sweepstakes. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. Oh, what did he say? We want a dynamic. We don't need very, very, very dynamic. Just <laughs> dynamic is okay. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, that's always a good question when it comes to Rivera. Like, what is he talking about? Was he that way in Carolina? This all seems new to me. In the last year or so, it's like he's got this verbal diarrhea going on. Well, I think in Carolina, in Carolina, he was the guy. Like, he, you know what I mean? In Carolina, 
they 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 didn't hit him with the questions like this. They were timid. They were tepid I about guess. it. Like, you know, who's like, the starting quarterback? That's a hard hitting question. You've got a different media environment down there, but I think you know. I'm sorry. I, I can't help but think that three years of getting hit in the head with a bat hasn't left Ron a little adled. And and let's face it, he's got to at this point in time, he's got to get out of bed every morning and go, "What the fuck are they going to throw at me today?" Because that's what the last three years have been for him. Is you know what is it now? Uh, he, he's probably conditioned. Every time there's a knock on his office door, he goes, "What?" <laughs> I can't play a round of golf without getting beat on. I mean, for God's sake! So, that, there's certainly truth in that. Yeah, but that's that's because you play with Mark. <laughs> hey, how <laughs> did I get involved in that? <laughs> so we do we do have to have an OC, as we talked about. Especially, you know, it'd be nice to have one before we start making major player decisions here shortly so what do you guys think on that front well let me ask a question in response to that is ron going out and finding a guy who will say well yeah i want to ground and pound <laughs> i mean doesn't eric the enemy comes from from freaking pat mahomes aerial circus out there why would he want to come here with ron having already stated emphatically we're going to run three two times for every time we throw the ball so these are the guys that we've interviewed. And if anyone, if I'm missing anyone, please, and Eric the enemy is not one of them, obviously, but the guys that we've interviewed so far are Pat Shermer, Ken Zampezi, Charles London, who got snatched up by the Titans. So he's off the table. Eric, I don't know if it's Studsville or Studsville, uh, Thomas Brown. Studsville, if he's ours. <laughs> and Anthony Lynn. And two of those guys are formal and former NFL running backs, by the way. But so those are the ones, those are the five six guys that we've interviewed one of them again in london is who i liked a little bit he's no longer available um and then there's bnme sitting out there which we have to think there's interest there otherwise why would we not have already made a call and i have opinions on two of them the other four i'm kind of eh or the other three I'm kind of mad on. Well, I'd be interested in what in what you do know about them. I keep thinking I'm going to go research these guys. And then I say, no, I'm not, because I would have to really dig in far enough to know what kind of offense they like to run and what personnel they've used and all that. I'm, I'm well, going to sure. really get our guy. I mean, really, if as far as the experience, guys, really Shermer's the experienced guy. He's, he's probably the safest bet if I had to throw a dart at the dartboard. Um, I mean, he's been an OC for four different teams, the Rams, the Eagles, the Vikings, and then Denver was his most recent one. He had pretty good offenses in Philly and Minnesota. He's been a head coach. I don't really care about that. Some people seem to think that's important, but he has had head coaching experience. The only reason it might be relevant with him is he was the Giants coach in 2019. So he might still – he might actually know some things about the, the Giants that – would be helpful. Um, but he's, he's the most experienced guy by far. The other guy that I think is interesting is Thomas Brown. And the reason I like him is first of all, he's young. He's the only guy like not in his fifties. I think that we've interviewed um, he McVeigh kind of found him and recruited him. So he, he's a Sean McVeigh guy. Uh, he was a running back and tight end coach for Sean McVeigh and Sean McVeigh thought enough of him to promote him to assistant head coach. I think last season, um, he interviewed for the Texans head coach position. Dallas also interviewed him for their OC position before they hired Schottenheimer a few days ago. 
So I think he, he's one of those guys that you just hear nothing but rave reviews about, about leadership qualities and, and knowledge, and he's younger. So he kind of appeals to me. The other guys are mostly, you know, former position coaches. We know Zampezi, you know. I mean, I, look, my thing is, why the hell did you fire Scott Turner if Ken Zampezi? No, and I don't know Ken Zampezi. Who the hell am I? I'm just a fan. But I, I know that he's been an, an offensive coordinator at the college level. And he's been a uh, offensive coordinator with the Bengals back in the mid 20 uh, teens. And and he didn't excel, at least with the Bengals. So I just don't know why you. If Zampezi is all that, then why don't you just name him the OC as soon as you fired Scott Turner? If you have to interview your own coach, um, I may and maybe that's required. Maybe that's a process. I, I get it. But I just don't see that. That to me is like I made a scapegoat. I picked a scapegoat. See you later, Scott Turner, after I extended you, you know, eight months ago. And now I'm just going to plug somebody in there. I think that would that would make that decision look pretty stupid to me. So I hope they're going to go a different route. And so I would go with Shermer or Thomas Brown. Those would be my choices. But anyway, I'd be comfortable with Shermer if for no other reason that we know he's that he's done the job right. He's not walking in off the street and not knowing what he's doing. Like I keep coming back to the, what a, what a weird situation for an OC to walk into being interviewed by a coach who may be there one year. Um, yeah. And then what, and then and what? what's, what, how appealing is that? Right. And the enemy is the other guy that, that is getting so much play. I mean, he's got a choice between, I think the, um, the Titans and the Ravens are also talking to him or rumored to be after him or at least interested in him. So, I mean, I don't know. If you stack us up with the Titans and the Ravens, we're the most appealing destination. The only way that I would think maybe we would be the most appealing, and I think I said this right off the, off the jump when his name came up, is if he comes in with the understanding or belief that he's next in line for the head coach job after Ron, maybe as soon as next year. That that makes that would make us a player, it seems to me, for him. Um, anything else, it seems to me that would be a step back for him. So one thing that just jumped out at me, because I don't know Eric a lot about the enemy. So I was trying to figure out why are we, why is he the hot commodity, at least as an OC? Um, I looked at, and I was really thinking about what Rivera has said about like wanting to be a run first offense. Well, the enemy, rushing attack. I mean, we know, hell, I could be a successful OC with Pat Mahomes under center, right? I really feel like I, <laughs> it's hard to judge an OC candidate when Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are your two cornerstone pieces, right? I mean, you could be a blithering idiot and you'd probably still look pretty good with Patrick Mahomes under center. It just seems that way. But his, so I looked at the rushing attack because I thought, well, Mahomes, you know, he, he can't really rush the ball. Um, you know, he can't be the rushing attack for the Chiefs as well. Uh, Casey's rushing attack during the time that bien has been there and he's been there for six years, they've been 16th ranked at best for that six-year period. They'd never been better than smack dab in the middle of the pack and they for several of those seasons they were a lot worse than that is that so, yards or yards per attempt right yards because i mean they're throwing the ball all the time they don't rush it well again i'm not i'm just trying to figure out like i was looking for some way to judge him outside of yeah. bone. Maybe that's well, not fair well the uh, other problem about judging him is he doesn't call the police yeah do i we know that that's that that's 100 all the time or do, or do they mix it up uh, from what I read and what I understood that 
he will call stretches of plays, but he but Andy Reid will have no second thought about jumping in and taking over a drive, a series, a sequence, whatever. So, I Which mean, take that for what it's right? worth. Concerning because is Reid a control freak at that level, or is it that he doesn't trust the guy? Or both. Well, you know, it could be both. I mean, that's what the guy's been interviewed by 16 teams to be their head coach, and none of them have hired him. Where, why? Like, the other thing that I explained, I put on the board that it didn't make sense to me is he signed a one year deal each of the last two years. And now I heard someone on the radio today, uh, in the last couple of days, saying that there's reports out of Kansas City that Andy Reid is trying to push Biennemi out the door so he has the opportunity to get an opportunity to call plays and to try to try to break the stereotypes or the beliefs so that they have of him that he can't call that he can't that the Andy guy that, not going to give that up that let him call plays is wants to push him out so he can get an opportunity right i mean i mean but that's where it doesn't make sense to me so now you i do start to wonder if the enemy's even the right choice you know what i mean uh, like I and I mean, that's part of the question there, right? Is he's been the offensive coordinator, but how much is he actually doing? What is he actually doing? And, and the chiefs aren't going to take the lid off that box and tell anybody what they're doing, what, you know, what's, right. you know, how the sauce is made. Right. And, and so all you've got in an interview is the enemy's word for it, <laughs> but yet, you know, you've got a brilliant offensive mind behind him and Andy Reed, who's done it for how many years now? And was part of Bill Walsh's teams? staff. You know, I, I don't you know. know. What, we, what we don't know, we're talking about play calling. I mean, that play calling is, is a big part of it, but the, the game planning and the, the schemes and all that, I mean, that, that's a long process that goes on every week. You have to assume that if nothing else, the enemy has been heavily involved in that. You may not get to call all the plays on Sunday, but I mean, Gibbs, and Gibbs won. He designed the game plan for the offense and called the plays, as far as I know. I'm not sure you can do that anymore. I hope Andy Reid's not biting off more than he can chew if that's what he wants to do. But I mean, the enemy is just as big a question mark to me as any of the other guys we've talked about because yeah. we don't know what the situation is he's walking into. Yeah. I, I think I think asking the question about play calling though is incredibly germane, Mark. I, and I say that because I didn't have any problem with Scott Turner's game plans. Oh my gosh, the dude drew up some positively amazing plans. How many weeks did we sit here and have Derek show us guys running free in the in the in the secondary and a quarterback that can't find them? So the or game planning the and the play design was brilliant with Turner. The boy had no game on Sunday. He couldn't call a series of plays more than once a game to save his life. He had no, that's one fair. really good drive every game. That's fair. And I think that's why he's not here anymore. He's a terrible play caller. Yeah. So the, so the, so the question around play calling is incredibly germane, I think maybe more so than the game planning. At this uh, yeah. Level, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like and, at this level, you, you've, you're probably every, all of these guys should be able to game plan. And here's the thing, Bob, here's the thing that we haven't mentioned, which is look, we, ha we have a, a, an anachronism, a head coach, right? We have a defensive head coach mm -hmm. who, who he needs a guy. He needs a Jack Del Rio um, who who's isn't going to look to the head coach for a GD thing, you know, who's going to say, this is my offense. This is the way that we plan. This is the way we practice. This is how we execute. This is our identity. And I'm sorry, but man, if you've never been an OC before, 
that's a big that's a big fucking risk yeah, <laughs> for a lane to take. And that's why that's why I still think it might be Shermer when the dust settles, because you can say what you want about Pat Shermer as far as how good how can he really be that much better than Scott Turner? I don't know the answer to that, but we know one thing. He know he's done it. He he knows how to be a, a coordinator and Rivera's not going to have to be going, what the hell is he doing over there? I mean, I'll see. And, and, and honestly, I, I take that even a step further. And when you couch it that way, I almost feel like that means Zampezi's the, the leader in the, in the clubhouse at the moment. And the reason I say that is because Zampezi's not going to deviate too terribly far from the Scott Turner playbook the terminology is going to be very similar they are cut from the same cloth they are from the same tree you know the turners and the zampezis go way back right their dads work together and and have called plays together in various and sundry places so you know the scheme isn't going to change much in terms of terminology you've already come out and all but anointed sam howell the guy for 2023 how much do you want to force feed a rookie and, and Rivera's got to be aware of the fact that his 2024, if he wants to be here in 2024, his 2024 is very much tied to Sam Howell at this point in time. So how many, how many things do we change? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, if you enjoy the BGO Blind Pig podcast, you may enjoy the video version. Visit YouTube and search BGO Blind Pig to access over 100 previous episodes. However you enjoy BGO Blind Pig, we thank you for listening. And we don't know, one thing we none of us know about any of these guys, or at least I don't, is are they, are they going to be a Gibbs type uh, coordinator where they're like, what weapons do I have? Because God knows we have a lot of weapons. But what kind of quarterback? What does he do well? What kind of weapons do I have? What do they do well? And I'm gonna I'm gonna design it to take advantage of that. Or is it gonna be another Scott Turner? This is my system. <laughs> it doesn't matter who who my running backs, wide receivers, and quarterback are. This is the system. It's just no. I don't. I have no idea with the guys that I've heard listed. Where do they fall in that spectrum? And that to me, that's a huge thing for all the reasons that you just said. Because how how's really the guy that's getting. I mean, you can say what you want about Scott Turner, but at least how spent a year knowing, like, what does that play call mean? <laughs> what, right, and, right. I mean, he, uh, he didn't look, you know, when we got to that last game of the season, Howell didn't look like he was lost to me, no, you know? No. I mean, he, all right, he made a couple of bad throws and, and, and he left some things on the field. But I didn't feel like he looked lost, like he was out wandering in the wilderness, you know, and he felt he looked comfortable to me. Now, maybe they boiled things down a little bit for him on the final on on that final weekend. I don't know. But having spent a year in it. I just I just feel like at the end of the day, conservative run, and I would really like to know where the riverboat label came from after watching him for three years. But, but, you know, he's, he's a, he's a defensive coach at heart, right? It, and it, it comes and, from punting from your opponent's 35 yard line when your season's on the line, because that's a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gamble over whether or not it's going to be just a net 15 yard gain. That's for damn sure. Holy cow. But nobody you know, said, never, nobody said the riverboat part was a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's true. It, it could is, be he's a got, got an avatar, but that, that doesn't mean it's a good thing. You know, a sunken riverboat's pretty conservative. It doesn't go very far. 
I know you're not going to want to hear this, John, but I think the answer is that it's going to be Zampezi. Maybe not from the beginning, but that's just. Well, if it, if it is, you know what? I'll cross my fingers. And I mean, I, 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 I bagged on him because, well, I, I said what I said, and I'll stick with that. But when he was the, with the Bengals, who knows? I don't know who I didn't go and look rosters and to see, you know, what, what do you really have to work with? Or, you know, it's, it's hard to judge somebody just based on one spot, <laughs> Joe Barry. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you would like to see somebody who had more, of, especially with what we already said. It, he's going to have to be independent. He's going to have to know what he's doing. It's it's hard to judge him just based on a couple of seasons somewhere else. But well, I think and it's going to have to be. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Derek. I think I think to your point, we need to have two different conversations. Okay. There's a conversation about what we want to see in 2023. Then there's the conversation about what we want to see from 2024 going forward. Yeah, that's where I was about to go. So. Are you focused on trying to win every single possible game you can possibly win, go all in on 2023? Or me personally, I'm hopeful that we go into 2023 and we come out of 2023 so whoever's taking over after that has the path of least resistance. Um, And I think there's a couple factors. One – I don't want Rivera and this 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 group doing anything at any position that's committing this team to long-term money. So I'm kind of okay we're not re-signing Deron Payne. You know, like, if that's the case. If we sign him to a blockbuster deal, that is going to be the – that is going to affect the team well beyond Rivera being here. At quarterback, I don't want a big-name quarterback. I want – I am happy going with Sam Howell. Maybe I'd like, I wouldn't hate bringing back Taylor. I've softened on the fact, softened on that idea over the couple, the last couple of weeks at a reasonable price. And you just go into the season, take your lumps, and you develop the team. It's the same thing at offensive coordinator. I, I don't, I, I'm, I kind of expect it to be a very meh signing because it's going to be similar to the quarterback position where I don't necessarily need. I, I wonder if it's even worth getting the hot shot coordinator in here and he doesn't even get a shot. He doesn't get a chance. You know what I mean? Like get a guy you have a ton of confidence in and he's just going to get blown out anyway. Why would you even do that to yourself? And then on top of that, you're putting Sam Howell through three different offenses in three years and entering a fourth under a new ownership group with a new GM and a new head coach. Cause he had one that's college. Why, he, I didn't had, like, that's exactly huh? why I didn't like the Turner firing to begin with. I just don't think in the grand scheme of thing that it makes a lot of sense without knowing, you know, if Ron Rivera is even going to be a coach a year from now, but no, they may I mean, I guess some issues. he's playing for his coaching life. He's playing a, he's got to do something. He had to make some kind of a change. So that's what he did, but. And he and from- Scott, I mean, their relationship, it didn't sound like it was all that great because we heard at least a couple of times reported that, that Ron had had to go to Scott and say, Hey, you know, WTF those those were kind of a red flag to me all along well then there was that weird thing too where Ron told Scott he needed to start calling plays from the sideline for like two weeks and then back back in the booth anyway it was odd they had an odd relationship on the sideline huh 
he started the year on the sideline. He played. Yeah, he, and I think he it goes lasted, like the first four games or something, and yeah. then suddenly he was back in the booth. Right. So I. So I wasn't I, I just, surprised that he was gone. And I just I don't think the whole the whole OC thing to me comes down to when they're sitting down in a room. What? How honest is the conversation between Ron Rivera and this prospective OC about? A, what the job's going to look like, and and B, what are the chances that this is a one-year rental? Well, and, you know, I talked about that on the board a couple of times, and I don't, you know, especially if we're talking about enemy, I don't necessarily think a one-year rental is a bad deal for either the team or the coach in this particular Not if case. he thinks he's the new, the new head coach after Rivera's gone. That not even cool. that. You know, all right, you know, for the longest time, there were only what two, three, sometimes four vacancies a year. We've reached a point now where close to 20, 25% of the league head coaches turn over every year. You know, it's, it's very much a, you've got a couple of years and if you can't get it figured out, we're going to find somebody else in this league now. And, and so the knows that next year they are going to be six, seven, eight openings because there are six, seven, eight openings every year. He's also set through all these interviews. And if the knock is, you know, we really don't know how much is you and how much is Andy Reid taking a one-year flyer on a team that's got all these weapons. And we do, you know, we, we may not have the guy to deliver the ball. We think we might, but we aren't sure. But we've got a, a tremendous running back tandem. We've got a deep wide receiver core. I think there might be more to work there, work with a tight end than maybe we're, you know, we think there is even, even kicking Logan Thomas off the team. Um, and that's assuming they cut Thomas as a cap casualty, but, you know, with some offensive line play, if the enemy is comfortable with himself in developing a young quarterback and let's face it, young Mr. Mahomes didn't get where he is right now, strictly on his own. He had some help from the coaching staff in Kansas City. Now, the question is, how much of that is the quarterback coach? How much of that is the OC? How much of that is Andy Reid? And I, none, nobody knows the answer, but, but Mahomes and those three guys. Um, but the enemy's got to look at this and go, I need one year to prove to the league that I can be a head coach. Think he's going to sign a one-year contract here? He's signed one in Kansas City each of the last two I know. seasons. You think he's going to do that again somewhere else? I'm, I'm not. I don't think he would, but I, that's just a gut thing. It's like I don't. I don't work? know that he would either. I don't know that he would either. But, but you know, he keeps signing one-year deals, and the assumption there is that he's signing one-year deals so that he's got the option to take a lateral move. And yeah, I mean, he's been shopping for a head coaching job a long time. I think that's his prime motivation is to is, is would this leapfrog him into a head coaching job either here in, in a year or somewhere else. You know, he's how many head coaching positions are still open in the league right now? I don't even know. He's not getting one this year. Indy, I think Indy's it, right? I think so. Has New Orleans hired anybody yet? No, no, that was talk of Peyton going back to New Orleans, but he, but he's not. So they're keeping the same guy, right? I think Indy's. I think Indy's the only vacant. So I think you're right. I think Indy's the only one. Yeah, the Saints are going after Derek Carr. Apparently, that's what I heard. Yeah, I yeah. Heard that'll be interesting. But I, I don't know. I just, I don't. I think it's. I think it's stick with the status quo, which would be Zampezi. 
or bring in the enemy and try and shake things up, make us make us make a splash move. And, you know, let's face it, if if John, if you're right and Rivera is paying attention to social media. About the quarterback position, maybe he's paying attention about the OC position, too. And everything I'm reading amongst the fans on Twitter is people dying to bring Eric B to town. Well, he's a shiny object. He We're is dying. A shiny object. I mean, I'm dying to, you know, invite Scarlett Johansson to my retirement party. But I I think if I'm Eric B and I'm looking at, well, I can go to Baltimore. Why, uh, uh, see, that's the argument. But why would you go to Baltimore? You have no control. That offense is in place and you're stuck. That offense is set. You have no control over that offense. Well, I mean, you I can't I change that offense. And outside it, of Lamar Jackson and a tight it end. It doesn't matter. It's better than this shithole of a franchise, man. I'm sorry, but it, it just is. We don't. We have a rookie, a glorified rookie at quarterback. A fucking disaster behind him. I'm not talking about Heineke. And then we've got a, a bunch of good skill position players. But I, I just. And by the way, and a new owner a coming in and probably all new coaches in a year. Yeah, I mean, I don't care what you say about Baltimore or the Titans. It's better than D.C. It just is. Well, it's not Tennessee. Tennessee got their guy. Okay. Well, Tennessee got their head coach, right? One one other thing that that I want to throw in here, because while we're all all pretty sharp guys, at the end of the day, we don't, you know, all all of us, we think differently than guys that are coaching at the NFL level. Eric Bieniemy has been a professional football player. Eric Bieniemy has scaled the heights of NFL coaching just shy of the peak, right? And he wants the peak. These are all men that absolutely positively bet on themselves in the worst kind of situations. And they are perfectly willing to, to, to go, you know what? I can do this because I've done every other damn thing I've set out to do in my life. And, and if Bieniemy looks at this and goes... I can make this work. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We want to make sure that you don't miss out on any future BGO Blind Pig podcasts. On our YouTube channel, simply hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to BGO Blind Pig via Apple Podcasts or another podcast provider, go to our description page and click that follow button. Yeah, you're right, Derek. I just wanted to uh, close that circle. Uh, the Titans uh, hired Tim Kelly. They so they have filled their. OC oh, have position. they? Yeah. Oh, so there aren't that many OC. There aren't yes, even that many OC positions open at the moment either. The most uh, intriguing one. The most intriguing one that I think that out there right now is Denver. Um, but you're stuck with Russell Wilson for three seasons. But you're working with Sean Payton. Sean calls the plays, right? Or at least he did in New Orleans. So that, I believe, to your point, Mark, that's going to be the factor is the play calling in the offense. If he comes here, he has the offense. He has control of the offense. It is his baby. If he goes to Baltimore, you have to run the same offense they've been building that team around for five seasons. Well, and I you're think- dealing you're dealing with a prima donna quarterback who is – might not even be on the team, a backup quarterback who might not be on the team, and you might be running into it with a worse quarterback situation than we have because they can't find another Lamar Jackson. Is there a better place in the NFL 
where you know if you succeed, everybody in the NFL is going to know it was you. And if you fail, nobody will hold it against you. Because it's not going to be Ron Rivera. That's a good point, Bob. I mean, nobody is going to – if the enemy comes in here and the offense plays lights out next year, nobody's going to look at it and go, boy, Ron Rivera sure turned that shit around, didn't he? Bob, that, go, Ron Rivera any- hired the enemy, and the enemy fixed all that shit. And if That's you what fail, gonna say. if you fail, <laughs> that, that are they going to hold it against you? Right out of their ass like that, right there. That was that was brilliant. And that's <laughs> another point. To, to say it again, Derek. If you fail, are they going to hold it against you, or is it going to be just another no, OC right. in the line of OCs that have struggled I mean, here because of the shit circumstances? Look at all of the brilliant guys that are coaching in the NFL right now who used to coach here and had lousy results here, and then went somewhere else and won a Super Bowl, Sean McVay. <laughs> well, not just won a Super Bowl, we're competitive. I mean, how many were just – there was like four of them coaching in the, just in the, in the postseason this year. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I only have one contract stipulation, and then I'm, I'm all yours, Ron Rivera. The first four picks of the 2023 draft are, are mine. All... <laughs> are mine. That's the only condition. Well, and I and I run the offense. It's my offense. You stay out of my stay out of my offensive coaching. Stay I've, out of the room. You I've get, made these you arguments. Get, you get one choice on Sunday. Do we go for it on fourth down or not? Yeah. Otherwise, everything else is mine. <laughs> so the best thing I've heard in this whole conversation about OC before we you know move on to something else is what Bob said at the very beginning of it. I think we're going to have someone in place by Wednesday. God, I hope so because I'm really tired of looking at OC candidates. Well, if we have, if if we have someone in place by Wednesday, it's not going to be the enemy. Because if they win that I game on fun. Sunday, unless they a handshake deal, man. I mean that. Oh, I yeah, I disagree with that. That happens all the time. You get a guy who's in the Super Bowl, and the next day he's he's up in somewhere interviewing yeah. and signing a contract. We'll we'll see. I mean, I hear Good you. To be fair, I know you've I, I've been arguing saying that this is I don't think we ultimately end up with BNME, and I don't know that it's that we're undesirable. I I think there's a couple different factors, but to the point where I talked about it's two different conversations. The long-term play here might just be Zampezi, simply because you don't want to rock the boat any further against Hal, give him another year in a comfortable offense, which is boring, which is ugly, it's uh, it's annoying. But at the end of the day, I think we I, it, it it's it's going to be time that we start having this conversation. Are we are we looking at twenty twenty three as a developmental year to take our lumps? Yeah, it's going to suck because we're going to burn a year of John Allen, a burn a year of Terry McLaurin, burn a year of a lot of these guys. Or are we going to look at a year twenty twenty three to be competitive when we're talking about three of the four teams in our division were in the playoffs, one of which is in the Super Bowl, the other which is always on the hype train, even though Mike McCarthy is now going to be the play caller and and be the be the grand poobah down there in dallas but do we go into 2023 hoping we rock the boat as little as possible maintain continuity and set up the future front office to succeed as much as possible well what what we want and what's likely to happen are going to be very different things i hear you i would be plenty happy to go into 2023 as a fan looking at it as sort of a reset year figure out who the owner's going to be what don't do anything don't do anything that's going to screw the team over with the new team but there is not a coach or player or owner in the league that would that's going to buy into that or subscribe to that they they get paid to win and that's what their motivation is going to be 
Yeah, they get paid to win. I'm not saying Rivera's actively losing, but oh, here's does the that thing. mean that we we don't sign Payne to a four-year deal for $85 million? Which I've been against all along. I think it's or, a huge mistake. Or does that mean that we draft a tackle in the first round instead of signing Orlando Brown? Does that mean that we we draft three linemen instead of taking a quarterback? Well, those are mean- the questions for every team every year, though. There's nothing unique yeah, about our situation. Not gonna be, I think what we're missing is, and we won't know this, obviously, until it happens or doesn't happen, but I suspect a new owner is going to, the first shoe to drop is going to be a GM hiring. It's going to be a GM hiring. I hope so. A true yeah, GM hope so. hire. Unless they, unless they double down on Ron, DeVere, Ron Rivera, the GM head coach, I think that the coaching centric thing is about it's to gone. end. We're going to have a GM and then everything, all the shoes will drop from that. That's That would be the most. Yeah, Mayhew may be a dead man walking too. And Hearns, both of them. Yep. So, is there a game this weekend, fellas? No. Is there? (laughs) Is it flag football followed by dodgeball? I mean, oh my God. Did you watch any of the flag football? I did. Actually, yeah, some of it was kind of fun. I mean, for some of it was a lot more, it was a lot, a lot less horrible than I thought it was going to be. It was kind of fun. And I I did, I enjoyed the, 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 the QB precision passing. You know, that kind of brought me back to, some of the old stuff. Like yep. I remember seeing Mark Brunel in the uh, the long distance pass and Brad Johnson. You know, some of it was fun to watch. Hell, I remember Boomer Esiason and those guys <laughs> doing that in the old throwing competitions. That was kind of fun. So I, we've all played flag football. Um, well, I was really, really amazed. Or, or the one thing that jumped out at me is the end zone shots from behind the quarterback. It looked like all the flag football games I used to play in college, right up until the quarterback threw the ball. <laughs> and there's this like slingshot of precision and accuracy <laughs> that you're like, oh my God, that really stood out. And let that in the NFL, you don't see it because we're used to seeing it in that context, seeing it with a bunch of guys in shorts running around at half speed. And all of a sudden, the quarterback throws a 38 yard laser that never gets more than 12 feet off the ground. And goes into a pocket this big. It's like, oh my god! I think that's why so many college quarterbacks get drafted, right? Because when they're out there at pro day and shorts, or yeah. they, mine, yeah. field, they all look like you know Vinny Testaverde, or they they all look uh, like incredible passers. And then you put them in pads. And- One thing I didn't like is I, I felt like the field was too short. Fifty yards, to, like like it was only forty yards, man. I wanted to see like Tyreek Hill get out there and actually get on the on the move, you know. He got, he, could he got actually, laid out pretty good. He did, and they, they played that up well. I'll give him credit. I, I was laughing through that whole. They were protecting everybody's hamstrings, Derek. They didn't want anybody to get to top speed and pull yeah, something. fair. So, um, I guess we kind of touched on it. Do you guys have a, a, an actual opinion on pain? What do we do with Deron Payne? Let fuck I mean, I still think tag and trade is a way to go with him. But I think if we can find a trade partner, that's one thousand percent the thing to do. If you can get anything a third or better, you take it. I would. I, my here's my, well, and he's had a big year since then. But but I but I I feel like they tried to do that last year. I have no evidence of that, but I feel like they wanted to move him for draft picks last year, and they couldn't get anybody to 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 do it which is why they just let him play his fifth year. 
I think that I honestly think they exercised his fifth year purely to turn him into trade bait and, and try and get something. And then nobody bid on it because, well, let's face it. The man was pretty pedestrian his first four years here. Um, you know, and I mean, he turned on the gas this year. If uh, I would be inclined to, 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 to do something, if we had seen a steady progression, right. All the way up through this last year, not, not but just a sudden four years of almost identical statistics. And then suddenly the guy turns in an all pro season. What that tells me is he could have turned in an all pro season at any given point in time. And he just didn't give a shit. It wasn't hmm. until there was big money riding on it. And all of a sudden I'm an all pro. And what did you hear all year long? Pay me, baby. Pay me. Every time I saw a picture drawn pain, he was, he was playing charades and it was all this. And I, I, so I'm, I'm curious, are, do any of us think that they should re- try to re-sign him at the kind of money it's going to take? I, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's not that he's a good player. I mean, why would you not want to re-sign him? But that guy, he, he's he been pretty open that he wants to get paid. He wants right. to be paid like top one, top five players, money. We cannot afford, we yeah. just can't afford to sink that kind of money in a D line where we're already, I mean, and maybe, you know what? I mean, we got, we got some good seasons out of them. However you want to assess that, but that's what happens when you draft a bunch of first rounders on your D line, you're going to have to pick your poison at some point. It's just the kind of money that it would take to sign him. You can bring in two competent offensive linemen off the street, like young veterans and pay them pretty good money to come help you on the offensive line. You, I don't think there's any way they can pay Duran money and and field a and try to field a balanced roster that fills some of the glaring holes we have. I think it'd be mismanagement. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I spent a you know when I put together the when I put together the uh, the salary cap thread uh, on BGO. I spent some time looking at Philadelphia. And I spent some time looking at Philadelphia because it just feels like they, they don't, they have a bad year, but they don't have a bad string of years for the last decade. Plus they've been right in the thick of things every time I turn around, except for a down year here and a down year there. And so I was kind of curious, you know, what are they doing in their top 10 in our top 10 players on the, against the cap this year, we've got three defensive linemen. They have one. We have one offensive lineman. They have three. And if I'm picking the Super Bowl this weekend, I'm picking Philadelphia and I'm picking them based on their defense. Think about that for a minute. You know, I, if I'm re-signing anybody this year to big money on that, on that line, I'm re-signing sweat. I'm not, absolutely convinced about sweat yet but he's solid and he's got a big number against the cap this next year that i can reduce if i sign him to a contract this year well he's Hasn't probably also one of those crazy ask for less money than Payne's going to ask for exactly i'm going to get him for less money than i'm going to get deron Payne. i can i can offer him a contract up front re-sign him drop his cap number this year that puts me in a position to do something about Chase Young next year. Oh, by the way, did you see that today? Maybe yeah, I was, was going to bring that up. They're, they're not convinced they're going to exercise his fifth-year option yet. They've got until May, 
Yeah, well, Ron Rivera went back to diarrhea of the mouth. Ron Rivera said it might motivate him. Just just say we're working on it and we're not sure and let the motivation come. That's right. Exactly. Now, I mean, I understand the idea that his health is going to be a big part of that discussion. But now if I'm re-signing anybody, it's sweat and I'm letting pain walk. Now, if I feel like I can get a trade partner, maybe I tag him. But man, even the even the transition tag this year, we're guaranteeing what, 15 million, 16 million to a defensive tackle? Yeah. Nah, let him go. Well, that was I was gonna bring up, I was gonna transition to the Chase Young conversation because I think it all it all it all plays with this and it all plays with even furthermore what we were talking about before about where do you want to commit your money. Um it's a very real possibility that if they were to decide to sign Payne and pick up the fifth year option of, of Chase Young, you're talking about in 2024, the two of them having a cap hit of north of $30 million combined, just between the two of them. That doesn't include Allen, who you've already paid, and Sweat, who's, you know, who's, who's, who's in the on-deck circle. Because the number for Young to pick up his fifth year is north of seventeen million. No, it's twelve point seven five. You also have Federian Mathis out there who got her, who we have barely seen. But I mean, that's you've got somebody in the wings that's going to be coming, you know, back into the fold. That's going to be able to pick up some slack. Um, I just don't. I mean, here's and the thing: Ridgeway, Ridgeway flashed down the down the stretch too once he pulled his head out of his ass. I just I think. With with um, Chase, you know, I mean, he was out for a year, right? Uh, did we, right. Derek's did right. We really, was it a catastrophe? You know, did we miss him every Sunday, like to any really dramatic extent? I'm I'm not. I'm just not convinced that he's just such a question mark with the injury. We don't know if he's ever going to come back, even to what he was the second half of his rookie year when he you know, like I mean, he might be that guy. I we just don't know what we're going to get from him. And we're not going to know it until mid-season. It's almost start to really see it. Yeah. I, I think everybody assumed that he was going to build off that, that dynamic second half of his rookie season. And if he'd done that, he would have turned into, you know, if not the second coming of Reggie White, something fairly similar. And that, that guy is worth the money. The question is, is he ever going to be that guy? And I, none of us know that. And I'm, Chase probably thinks he knows, but. So is every guy that's ever been injured in the NFL. Well, Chase, if he's going to succeed at that level, is going to have to develop some more pass rushing moves and be a dynamic player, which he just hasn't been so far. When he was successful in his in his rookie year, he was doing it on speed and burst and guts and athletic ability. He wasn't doing it on technique. When he came in at the beginning of last year, I saw absolutely no new technique, which concerned me, and a little less of the dynamic athlete which is why he was just okay and was chasing sacks. And when I watched him finally at the end of this year, now in fairness, he wasn't ready physically, clearly. He, there was no technique. There were no spin moves. There were no counters. There was, there was taking it up the field and hopping around and looking active, which is great. It means that he can run. But we're not going to know until, until well into camp next year and maybe even into the first few weeks of the regular season if he's ever going to be even the guy we saw before. And if he's so, learned, if, if is he taking his craft seriously? Is he learning techniques? Is he is he learning to use his hands and to spin and do all the stuff that the successful guys do? 
I haven't seen any of that from him yet. And that's my biggest concern. I'm, I'm just so over and, and I'm sure this is probably unfair at some level, but I'm just so over as a Washington fan, players who are hyped out of, out of the, your mind, hyped and never can live up to the hype or they don't want to be here. Like they're here because we drafted them, but, you know, passively, aggressively, they make it clear that it's all about the money, you know, and they're going to go to the highest bidder. I'm just, I'm so over all of that. Uh, it's just show me, get out there and show us that you're a star. And if you don't want to be here, get the fuck out. I, I just, I'm over it. Um, well, it's, it sucks that we can't. Terry McLaurin's. And John, and John Allen's and, yeah. and Cam Fair. Curls. You know, we have some and, guys. There's well, Curl hasn't guys. signed yet. Curl, Curl is due his money. We'll see how he he There's might let the Cam Curl and any of the guys we've talked about. They need to sign his ass. So, just for clarity, Bob, I don't know if you looked at it, but because he made a Pro Bowl, his fifth year option number jumped north of seventeen. The basic number was at twelve, just around twelve. Okay. But, because he made a, a Pro Bowl, his fifth-year option number is seventeen million, which, if you look at a de- at a defensive end's tag number this year, a, tr- a franchise tag is nineteen million. The projected franchise tag is going to be twenty-four, with a transition tag of nineteen and some change next year or in twenty-four. I'm almost to the point now where I'm like, you don't fifth-year option him; you give him twenty-three to prove it. And if he proves you that wrong, you either try to sign him or you run a tag game in 24 and going on because then he's going to be a 27, 28-year-old defensive end coming off a major knee surgery. So how much longer do you, do you want to give him five years at $100 Because that's what he's going to ask for. Well, see, and I think that's the question now, right? They're not wrestling with whether or not, whether or not they want to keep him for a fifth year. They're wrestling with whether or not next year they want to extend him for stupid money because if they keep him for the fifth year, they, we've been down this road once now with Deron Payne, right? We've been down the road with Payne. Why do it again? Right. The only reason to do it again is if you believe you are actually going to sign the guy long-term. And, and so that's the, the decision they're trying to make is, at least to me, is – is do we want Chase Young here for the next six years, next well, five and years, let's, next whatever? Let's, let's be honest. I I I I stood on the I I stood on the table for Young. I said that was the pick. It was the right pick. It was a safe pick. I will wear that forever. I'm not going to try to hide from that. But looking back, hindsight being 2020, over the last three seasons, the the defense is markedly better when he's not on the field. That should answer every question you ever have to have about whether you want to pay the guy. I, more. I think you may be you may be going down the causation versus correlation path there, my friend. I'm not but sure my point that's is, the reason. But he's not a Cam Curl, and Cam Curl, you can say the same thing about. The only difference is it's a positive when Cam Wait, Curl. Now that doesn't mean that the defense got better because he wasn't on the field, but it didn't get better because he was on the field. Does that make right. sense? It does. Oh, no, it does. That's what I was saying before. He, he contributed nothing last year. He contributed nothing this year. Oh. And, and now we're trying to decide if we're going to pay him elite, elite DE yeah, money. Pass rusher money, and I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it as of today. The good thing we have a stable front office ready to make those decisions. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, a, good, I, a good thing we have a, a, a new owner on the horizon, so this team could fuck <clears> up for the next five seasons, and we'll just be excited that it's not Dan I, Snyder. I, I, I didn't want to say this out loud, but I'm going to. <laughs> I have sort of written off 
the likelihood that 2023 is going to be any kind of competitive season for this team. If it is, that's great. That that's a huge bonus. But with, well, with what's happening, absolutely going to be competitive, man. We've been competitive every year for the last three no, years. We've been mediocre every we've year. Been, <laughs> just playing for the playoffs. We've been just south of the Mendoza line. And well, I'm just saying it's all relative. Well, okay, so maybe our okay. best. We're not going to be competitive in 2023. I'll, what I'm what I'm trying to say is okay. So let's assume let's assume we have another year like we run it back. We go eight and eight again or eight eight and one again, which could happen. I'm not expecting any kind of big jump forward. We'll get better quarterback play and all that. But with the kind of turmoil this team's going to be operating under, once there's a new owner, that's going to be the conversation every day about who's here now, who's going to be here next year. What's the long-term plan, the transition tag, all the stuff we're talking about is going to take place in the context of complete question marks at the top and where the team is headed in 2024 and beyond. So, I mean, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy the ride because Dan Snyder, uh, amen, is, bro. you know, was, ding dong, the witch is dead. And I was going to say, celebrate that the entire sure, year. I was going to say, I was going to say the Cowboy fans are going to come up to us and say, you guys suck. We're better than you. Yeah. But at least we don't have Dan Snyder anymore. Like, oh my God. Everything changes. Everything changes. You- the minute that sales, I'm not saying the new guy is going to come in. And start winning Super Bowls. I'm but just he's not, not going to be Snyder. Dan Snyder. There's really very little way to go other than up. Do, do you guys realize that we were we were eight eight and one and missed the playoffs by a game, and we get a last place schedule this next year? There's a silver lining. Think about that. We get a last place schedule. Yeah, the sad thing is we had we had a last place schedule last year. And it was supposed to be the worst in the entire NFL. And what did we do with it? Yeah. I know, I know, but it but it turned out to not be. I mean, look, the Detroit Lions became real this year. The Jaguars made the playoffs. The Jaguars, you know, although but, we 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 get the Jag. Who was it? Mark. Mark said it, and he's right. We we were lucky we got them early. <laughs> By the end of the year, we wouldn't have beaten that team. No. no. And the same uh, thing will happen next year, guys. Teams that we're going to be up are going to be down and vice versa. So I, I don't put a whole lot into that. What I do put a lot into is are we playing a division that's stacked with AFC West type of quarterbacks? Well, we know our you know, opponents. We know our opponents, so we can do a little bit of scouting on that. The We we got away with, with playing a bunch of mediocre quarterbacks this year, and we went 500 So because we had a mediocre quarterback. We have NFC West, so we have Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks, and Rams. I got uh, we have AFC East, so we have Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and who am I missing? Jets. Jets. All right, yeah, so there's Jets. no god, there's no quarterback gauntlet there, so um, we have a chance. We have in the Denver. AFC West, we're in, we're in big trouble, and the NFC North, right? The uh, with the Vikings. Hey, is, has Aaron Rodgers come out of his dark room in a Jets uniform yet? Does Isn't even going, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that guy. That's where he's going to there. go. He's got thirty-two jerseys hanging in 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 random order on a, on a rack. 
in his dark room, and whichever one he comes out wearing is the team he's going to play with. If he sees, if Aaron Rodgers sees his shadow in three days, does that mean the Jets are a playoff team? How does that work? I don't know. Just so he doesn't come here. Good God. You know, if if he walks away this year, I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna fix it so Tom Brady skates. You realize right now the Bucks are on the hook for like a $35 million cap hit with Brady retiring this year. Money. I mean, it's a stupid cap hit that, that Brady has left them with. If Rogers decides he's going to hang it oh, up, I he's going to do worse to the Packers. I think retirement. Uh-uh. I read an article about cap it. Number. I read an article about it that said the best thing Tom Brady could do for Tampa Bay right now would be to actually sign a new contract for 2024 and retire after June one, sign up, sign a vet minimum. And then they could spread that cap hit out over two years. But as it stands right now, they got to swallow it this year because they signed him to a two year deal worth like $70 million or something. But Todd Bowles life changed in one year, didn't it? He thought he was on top of the fucking world. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, he, now he needs a quarterback and has no money to sign one. Yeah. No, they signed. Who's their backup? They signed that kid that we liked. Kyle Trask. Trask, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The savior. He's coming. Come on, guys. We we need to talk about the Super Bowl this weekend. I know John's not watching it, so the the rest of us will talk. No, you're good. He's going to watch it for Rihanna and hope there's a wardrobe malfunction. That's the there you go. So you kidding me? Just type in Rihanna in Google. You'll find enough wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) Let's just start with the obvious. Does anyone think that KC wins this game? I do. I I I can't. I can't find my it in myself to believe they win this game. I because bad things happen to us as Redskins fans. They have for ever. No, I don't. I see, and I don't think it. If I were betting, I'd be betting on Philadelphia. But I wouldn't be betting on Philadelphia because of because of the offense i'd be betting on philadelphia the defense of the defense and but having said that kansas city has two guys that make me believe there that 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 this will be a football game one of those is pat mahomes Great. the other yeah, one is Steve spagnolo oh. how many times have we been on the wrong end of a steve spagnolo brilliant game where the guy has just engineered well above the level of his players he's had two weeks exactly steve spagnolo has two weeks and he's playing against a guy that is he's he's not healthy philadelphia's quarterback's not healthy i can't remember jalen hurts hurts is not completely healthy at this point of course neither is is mahomes either but i'll tell you what i'm taking mahomes on his deathbed ahead of almost any other quarterback in the nfl healthy so right now yeah you're right it's kind of crazy because you literally have like the top rushing offense in the league in Philly going against the top dominating passing offense in Kansas city. So I'm looking at special teams or I'm not looking at special teams. I'm looking at turnovers as the difference, because if you look at Philadelphia, they were fourth in the fewest turnovers on offense. They were the fifth in the league enforcing turnovers. You look at Kansas city, Kansas city was 17th with the, uh, most uh, turnovers and 20th in defensive uh, turnovers. So that's like a, a pretty glaring difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I could see it becoming a game where Mahomes 
looks great and Mahomes is doing whatever he wants, but they keep turning the ball over. Um, and, and Philadelphia, the other thing that I think is a factor, and I know Patrick Mahomes would deny this and Andy Reid would deny it, but I just think Philadelphia is going to be the hungrier team, man. You've got, a, you've got a new head coach that's never been to a Super Bowl. You've got a quarterback who's coming off a Pro Bowl season who's never been to a, quarter, uh, to, to a Super Bowl. Andy Reid and Mahomes, they probably figure we can go to the Super Bowl any year we want, and they've already been once. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I just think there's a difference in the mindset of a team that hasn't been there before. Uh, and I know KC has a bunch of new players on the team from the last time they were there, but I, I just, and, and I'll, I'll tell you the other thing, Philadelphia kicked the ever loving hell out of San Francisco. And I did not see that coming. I think everything I read prior to that game was that San Francisco was more physical. San Francisco's defense was going to shut Philly down and they got spanked. They got spanked almost across the board in that game, out efforted, out physical. And then I look at KC who, barely got by uh, in there to get here um, with some people would say with a little help. I don't know if I buy into that, but I just think Philadelphia looks hungrier and I think they have more to play for. That's all I got. If I was betting money, I would bet on Philly for a lot of the reasons that you guys have already said. Also, I think they're more balanced across the board and heading into at least the AFC championship game. I was convinced that Kansas city had a problem on defense that their pass defense was suspect. They rose up and played a much better game against Joe Burrow than I expected them to. So I, I have hope that Charles Jones can come in and be as disruptive as he, as he can be and that that defense can hold their own. Um, reasons why I hold out hope, I, I will be pulling for Kansas City. I've, I've always been a bit of a closet KC guy, even before Mahomes. I go back to Len Dawson, for God's sake. But mm-hmm. um, the... The Eagles come in feeling pretty good about themselves. They they spanked a Giants team that was that I think clock I think the clock struck midnight for the Giants in that game. They were exposed as the team that we kind of knew they were. They were about as good as the as the Commanders were. Had no business in, in that deep in the playoffs. And then they played a San Francisco team that um, I re- I agree that by the end of the game, it looked like Philly had dominated them. That game was was pretty much back and forth dead even, even with Josh Johnson in the game for a couple of series. It's going to be a one-score game at halftime before Johnson fumbles a snap and can't recover it, and Philly gets a gift touchdown right before the half. And that game was over then because they, they had no quarterback. So I'm not sure. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is Philly has been impressive in the playoffs, I don't think they're quite the juggernaut that the media hype builds them up over two weeks. I think, I think Casey has the wild card in the game. The best player in the field is going to be number 15 in red. Kelsey yeah. is good. The enemy, our future OC and head coach is good. Andy, and Reed Andy, is Reed good. Is good. Andy Reed is a hell of a coach that I think it's going to be a very good game that will probably turn on the bound on it's going to a fourth quarter game that turns on a, on a turnover. Like John was saying on great players, making great plays. Um, I would bet Philly for all the reasons I was saying, but put a big asterisk this is why I don't bet. Because right. Because I, I can very easily see KC coming out and doing exactly what, what we'd think if, if they were completely healthy and they and hadn't stumbled defensively a little bit this year, I would be picking them happily. So I'll be rooting Casey, but, but betting I'll bet a dollar on Philly. You know, I, 
I'd be betting on Philadelphia, but it wouldn't be by much. And I don't know what the over under is on this game, but or I don't know what the spread is on this game, but I'm not I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be I'm not I'm betting on anybody to cover at this point in time. I think it'll be a close game. But I look at the last three years. Kansas City's been there. This is their third Super Bowl in four years. I don't remember the last time a team did that. Uh, well, I guess the Buffalo Bills when they went four out of four. No, right? the, the Patriots did it, didn't they? Three, three times in four years? Yeah, probably under Brady. You're probably correct. Um, but I, I'd be hard-pressed to name the years. So there you go. But their old. last experience was a 31 to nine ass whooping at the hands of one Mr. Tom Brady. So now, so their most recent taste of this game is what it feels like to sit there through the off season, knowing you have, you were that close and couldn't put it together. That's got to sting. I don't well, know. Was that, hurt in that game too, wasn't he? You he know, was and, limited. and the other thing is you go to this game three times in four years I don't want to say it's not special anymore, but it becomes another game. Philadelphia's yeah, very the, young. The, the, you, the pressure, the pressure factor is is lessened. Yep, you know what Philadelphia I mean. Philadelphia is very young, mm-hmm. including their head coach. I mean, yes. nobody, everybody. Uh, Eighteen months ago, everybody thought the guy was a, a chowderhead. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, he is, but he's, he was playing he's rock paper scissors when he was interviewing players at the combine. And, so it's going to be i i i think honestly if 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 you took the coaching out of it and you had the same coach on both sides i think the eagles win the game um i i think it's going to come down to andy reed is comfortable he's been here multiple times across different teams uh i mean he's i i think he's still going to have butterflies he's still going to get anxious and excited at the super bowl but i think I don't think he's going to let the moment get too big for him. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to have those, those decisions that are made by people that, that overthink because they're afraid of messing up. He's not going to do that. Uh, and I think he's going to be prepared. Um, but I think it's going to be a dogfight. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than people realize, but I think it's going to be a, just a heavyweight fight. Um, and I, I could see it coming down to the final possession. Yeah, that's I don't see prediction. a blowout, huh? That's my prediction. It, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be a hell of a football game. I hope, I hope it's the end of the third quarter and Kansas City's up by seventeen or twenty. But I, I, I don't see it happening. Well, don't I wouldn't I would not be surprised. Um, I, I, I know I talk about Mahomes too much, and Paul accuses me. It's my BFF, I guess. But by the way, somebody needs to read. I'll do it. Paul made his prediction. We will read what Paul had to say. He couldn't be with us tonight. Talk amongst yourselves while I look that up. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Jones is going to have to wreak havoc, and he's going to have to do it very controlled so that Jalen Hurts doesn't just go run rough shot. Another stat that jumped out at me, I was just looking – to see if there were any glaring, you know, advantages on one side or the other. Um, I noticed that Philly per drive averages 11 plays. Kansas City averages six plays per drive. So I guess that I guess that speaks to as many when you're setting scoring records and passing records, that speaks to explosiveness, like a pretty dramatic difference. Like you need a lot of possessions. You can't be fucking around with 12 play drives. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it also speaks to time on the field for the defense. Mm -hmm. So Canadian hog, Paul, in absentia tonight. Um, for his sake, hope KC wins or else I'll have to be, I'll be dealing with a crushed child at home. I hear you, Paul. My head tells me Philly wins more physical along both fronts. And I think they'll be motivated to make a statement given how all the chatter has been about them being able to cruise into the Super Bowl after playing a quarterbackless San Francisco team. Health of KC also concerns me. Eagles 27, Chiefs 24. I have it Eagles 34, KC 17. So I have it Oof. more. Oh, you got a bigger one. I got like 30 to 27 Eagles. But I really want to say like 41 to 29 KC. Oh, it's big. If we're if we're talking about what I want to say, I want to say about 41 to nothing. That's what uh -huh. I want to say. By the way, I voted Sirianni, the Eagles coach, as, as the, the coach I'd most like to punch that smug look off his face. Yeah. He's a perfect coach for that fan oh base. God. Well, well you know, and that's and, you know, I think that's part of the reason I just can't count Kansas City out is there is a there is an arrogance about Philly. You need a certain level of arrogance. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Patriots oozed a certain level of arrogance. But with the Patriots, there were years of backing it up. You just knew. You just knew. Philadelphia doesn't have years of backing it up under this guy. They've got, what, two seasons now under Sirianni? Mm-hmm. And I, mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I will not be surprised if KC pulls this thing out. No, I think I, they got the better head coach. They got the better quarterback. That says I it. hope so. I hope so. Going up against the um, the Eagles had the number one passing defense in the entire league. So it's not. I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk if if they're relying on. Well, you, you know why they had the number one passing defense in the league? Uh, because they allowed they the stop the run. <laughs> because they've. Because they've, they 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 were legitimately second all time in sacks in a single season. That pass rush is ferocious. Nobody gets rid of the ball quicker than Patrick Mahomes. He's and not that's where and Andy Reid. Andy Reid built his life. Remember back to the the Brian Westbrook days. It was, I saw I saw a stat today. I, I think I have this right that Patrick Mahomes was not sacked was not sacked on a scramble the entire year this year in other words he never was caught in the right backfield scramble for the an entire year um so anyway he, he throws it away and does all that stuff but anyway anybody who's still hanging with us an hour and a half in in an off-season pod thank you we appreciate you very much so uh but gentlemen it's been a pleasure we probably should cut this thing off jesus yeah, come see us at bg obsession yeah, come stop, come by and see us, and I think we'll probably peg this for our next pod. I don't know if we'll schedule it next week, but uh, but well, we Bob's might want to because the news Bob's might be told coming. us we're we're gonna have an OC on Wednesday, so we'll have to do a reaction. Pod. All right, well then we we will plan on being back next week. If you're not a Commanders fan, you can still come to BGO because we have a raging homoerotic uh, discussion going on about uh, this Last of Us series. The on last of it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a selling point. <laughs>
I'm having the a discussion good discussion yeah, might be the description of the discussion <laughs> might not be. You might have to edit that one out, man. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. On that note, it's been a pleasure. Night, boys. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to BGO Blind Pig. Join us next time as we once again dive into the ups and downs of D.C. football fandom. And don't forget to check out our incredible community of Washington football fans at www.bgobsession.com.